You're listening to End of the Line on WRIR 97.3 FM Richmond. End of the Line is an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. I'm Whitney Whiting. This is the area where we've been getting reports from folks that uh, tree cutting is ongoing. It's been a busy two weeks for pipeline opponents and the competing energy companies that are behind the Mountain Valley and Atlantic Coast pipelines. Eminent domain proceedings are in full swing for Dominion's ACP, in which landowners are taken to court for immediate possession of their land. And on the Mountain Valley pipeline route, Pipeline resistors have taken to the trees on the Appalachian Trail in an effort to delay the cutting of trees on public land. And you can see a massive swath of trees. Uh, It looks like they pretty much have this entire section down. But pipeline resistors are taking direct action to protect one of the most beloved mountains on the Appalachian Trail, Peters Mountain. The following words are taken from a statement that was released to the press on Tuesday, February 27th. Today, Mountain Valley Pipeline LLC set out to continue preparation for a horizontal drill pad on the West Virginia side of Peters Mountain. Contractors hired by the company arrived at the site this afternoon to find a number of resistors had already taken to the trees. After almost a month of delays from their intended construction date, MVP is rushing to begin the intensive process of boring a hole through the mountain. The 125-foot easement surrounding the drill site is now thoroughly defended. The statement went on to read, We know that resource extraction and the exploitation inherent to it is not new to Appalachia. It's scarred into the land. We stand in solidarity with all those who have fought for their communities and against corporate greed. We recognize that the struggle we continue today began in 1492. Our struggle against these pipelines remains a struggle against settler colonialism. All of this is to say that our struggle is far from over. They haven't even begun. In solidarity, Peter's Mountains Stand. End of the Line will continue to bring you updates from the front lines at Peter's Mountains Stand as we receive them. But for this episode, we want to focus on another mountain in the area. About 80 miles south of the Peter's Mountains Stand is the tiny four-corner region of Bent Mountain. We first heard from residents of Benton Mountain in episode two, when they talked about the experience of facing off with land surveyors in the early stages of this fight. In those early days, neighbors on the mountain continuously banded together to keep pipeline surveyors out of their area. The first Benton Mountain residents we spoke to last year were Bruce and Mary Beth Coffey, who shared her first memories of the mountain. I mean, I can remember being sick one day when I was in elementary school and my father had a job somewhere in Floyd and I rode up the mountain with him. Bent Mountain was only two lanes coming up the mountain. And we got to the top of the mountain and we just kept going. You know, we didn't go back down a mountain like when we would go visit our relatives in West Virginia, we would go up a mountain and then right back down the other side. 
And I remember saying to my dad, I said, this is so weird. And he said, this is a mountain plateau. Benton Mountain is a very rural area. We're on the mountaintop, starting at the elevation around 2,500, going up to 4,000 feet. People move up here to be away from, you know, having that infrastructure that you find in, in the metropolitan areas. If you're a pipeline route planner, you couldn't have picked a worse place to go. Dave Tribble is a wetland specialist who farms on Bent Mountain, right along the banks of Bottom Creek, a tier three waterway that MVP intends to cross. Let's go over 4,000 foot poor mountain. Well, it's 4,000 feet for a reason, because it's hard as hell. I mean, it's hard rock and it's not going anywhere easily. So that's the highest point on the, on the route, by the way, um, poor mountain. So if that's not bad enough, then you come down poor, the, over the other side of Poor Mountain into Bent Mountain where it's just flat as a board and water is everywhere. And that's the beauty of Bent Mountain are all the little wetlands and streams. And I mean, it's just gorgeous. And so from a planner standpoint, I don't think he could have done a worse job. It's like, what are you thinking? Why don't I stop and just kind of show you on the yeah. map where we are? Yeah, absolutely. So we just came down Poor Mountain Road here. Listeners may recall Grace Terry from episode 10 when we toured her family's farm, which also includes a portion of Bottom Creek. See how they've got a planned equipment yard here? Oh, that's what that is, okay. It, there's a spring in here. This is, all of this property right here that fronts on the road is, is sopping wet. I is, mean, it, it's all a big wetland. Is this blue line a creek? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. It sure is. So the blue yeah. lines are, are, are mm -hmm. waterways. Mm -hmm. And then this dotted red line. That's, an ac that's the access road. So you can see how they're using this gravel drive. Grace Terry is sixth generation Bent Mountain. Her great aunt is buried in the family cemetery, not far from where her brothers now live and where her father grew up. As she puts it, her brothers never wanted to live anywhere else. Grace and her siblings grew up in Roanoke, but their father took them up the mountain almost every weekend. You know, from the time we were old enough to hold a rake or a paintbrush or whatever, he had us working. When my Aunt Grace was still alive, we brought her groceries from town, yeah. you know, because it was a long way yeah. to come up here. You know, it was all the stuff that driving up here now is developed and everything. That was just all still countryside. That was all orchards on that side. This has always been a pasture here. In the years since my first interviews with Bent Mountain residents, this is what I've learned. People up here speak about this place in such a way that makes you want to love it as much as they do. This is a spring-fed stream. And I, I still remember my Aunt Grace. Great aunt, she was my great Aunt Grace. She walked us up to where the spring was when we were little kids and showed us all the little plants along the way that you could eat, you know? And then when we got up to the where the spring was, there was still like the remnants or the footprint of a still, you know, to make uh, apple cider whiskey or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> As Bruce Coffey says, people move up to Bent Mountain to be away from the city. Others say they move up here to be left alone. 
Jenny Chapman and her husband Peter moved to Bent Mountain in 1975 after meeting in Pennsylvania farm country where Jenny grew up. Peter had wanted to, to move back to this area, I think. I met him in, I'm from Pennsylvania. I just loved it there. Peter said, it's beautiful now, but you don't think this place is going to stay like that for long, do you? I mean, it's between New York and Philadelphia, so he recommended moving back here. And there was an opportunity that came up uh, that we could move back to this area, and it just ended up being Bent Mountain. It wasn't like we picked it out specifically, it just happened. And we moved here in 1975. And I always told, told Bruce, I said, gosh, I never dreamed that I would be living up here in this fantastic place. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an escape from work. You, you get off from work in the valley, you come up here, and it's like, <sighs> um, And that pipeline would, would change everything. It would destroy this community. You know, it was proposed to go through Floyd first. It wasn't going through Roanoke County. And I guess as soon as they said it had been moved from out of Floyd County and it was going to go through, routed through Roanoke County, I knew it was going over Bat Mountain. I just knew it. And then they moved the route to get it away from Spring Hollow Reservoir, and that put it over Poor Mountain, the really steep part of Poor Mountain. You know, the sense of loss has always been, I think it's in, inherent in America, you know, like as soon as we killed off the buffalo, we, we regretted doing it. And it's just like this whole pattern of destruction and then regret and then doing it again. Genesis Chapman grew up on Bent Mountain. In fact, we just heard his mother Jenny speak a moment ago. He now lives in Richmond with his wife and daughter, but as he puts it, Bent Mountain has always been the central hub of his life and his work as an artist. Yes, I could talk for hours about this. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it is interesting because there is a certain amount of community pride, which I, I've, you know, I think maybe it's the fact that how Bent Mountain is strangely, like, isolated against the rest of Roanoke County, sort of geographically, you know, and as a kid, we had our own school up there, which unfortunately, you know, is no longer school. The Chapmans and Terrys have known each other a long time. Peter Chapman, Genesis's father, is also an artist whose woodworking studio is on the Terry's property, right along a proposed MVP access road, the same one that Grace pointed out to me when we toured her family's farm. It's so, like, right there, immediate in, like, I mean, they're, they're, well, this about this time last year, they suggested, uh, I think FERC actually suggested, well, how about you put it on this other ridge? And it was like, that's exactly my property. It was like right through my cabin. And then it was going directly through the farm that I grew up on. And, it was like, and then it was going directly through the field me and my wife were married in. So it was like, holy Jesus, this is, the, this is like, I can't help but take this personal. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, 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 that I mean, because that, that was like a month there where I was just, you know, I couldn't really even talk about it. It was Grace who told me that Genesis knows Bent Mountain like nobody else. In 2010, he published an artist thesis that was entirely on Bottom Creek, the Tier 3 stream that runs through Bent Mountain. It's pages of sketchbooks covering every rock, waterfall, plant, and animal that you'll find along the creek. A lot of his work has to do with a sense of loss, or in his words, 
what it means to love and identify with a place, to call it home, and to watch it change. This sense of loss is something Genesis readily admits is part of an ongoing pattern in the history of the North American continent. And like his art, it's this question of change and time that drives much of my conversations with people on Bent Mountain. What will life be like on Bent Mountain should MVP continue on its assumed path? How much more do they stand to lose? After all, Bottom Creek is not just a beautiful place to hike and observe. It's one of the headwaters of the Roanoke River. It literally feeds hundreds of thousands of residents and species. I don't, I'm, I don't like change, I've decided. Like, I didn't, I, I wish things were the way they used to be. <laughs> I go back and forth about my feelings over nostalgia, you know, like, and I, I, and I tell myself, I'm not, it's not that I'm nostalgic. Now, this isn't like, these paintings aren't like childhood nostalgia for where you grew up. Because, I mean, I've lived there, you know, I'm 40 some years old and I've lived there most of my life. And it's, you know, nostalgia for what happened last year too. Or what will happen, you know, trying to look into the future of that. Um, it's really trying to document in my mind, especially with like my sketchbooks and stuff like that. I often think, and it, you know, and I think what's really changed and put that into to, 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 uh, perspective is, this is cheesy, but having a kid and thinking, oh, I want to preserve this stuff for her. You know, I want her. And that's why we go there on the weekends and I spend all my time up there because I want her to have these experiences. I mean, he, from the very beginning, he wanted her to love this mountain the way he loves it, I think. And, um, and she did. And, of course, he let Grandma have input with her, too. You know, I would like to take her out at night um, with Mary Beth coffee sometimes. We would get together and uh, I wanted her to see the moon rising, the full moon rising, when she was just tiny. And, uh, and I just remember her, she had this little pointy finger thing that she did. And the first time she looked at the full moon, she couldn't have been very old just when kids her learned to just say a few words. She looked up and she went, moon. <laughs> and I said, yes, Ev, that's the moon, moon. I was so excited. Genesis came over to pick her up and I said, Evelyn said, moon. I'm so excited. She saw it and she pointed and she said, moon. So he takes her home. The next day he called and said, oh, I just hope you're really satisfied with yourself because she jumped on the bed all night long looking out the window going, moon, moon, moon. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, you're catching End of the Line on WRIR 97.3 FM Richmond. You can find all episodes covering the ongoing Pipeline saga at soundcloud.com slash pipeline podcast. I'm Whitney Whiting. This story made me think not only of how curious children are, but also of that stage of development when we first learn that everything has a name, and how satisfied children are to know the names of things, or even to come up with their own. Beaver Stick Island. Beaver Stick Island, yep. So there's a little island 
where the creeks merge that the kids named Beaver Stick because they found the stick that had been gnawed on by a beaver. <laughs> so it's Beaver Stick Island and they love going out to that. Oh, oops, he found the deep spot. <laughs> and I'm wondering, are there any places on that land that have special names that no one else would know? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. The waterfall, you know, there by the bridge. It's not the only place water is falling on the property, but the waterfall. And then, for example, we might say, he's going to be waiting at the gravel pile. Well, there's no longer a gravel pile there. I'm thinking of when Genesis was little, there was a place that was kind of swampy and wonderful and it had vines growing. And um, we, it was always referred to as Yoda's house. The beaver pond, there's no pond anymore that you would see. You didn't see it today. But if I said to my brothers, you know, down by the beaver pond, they would know what field I was talking about. It occurred to me that naming things in this way, the small things that are close to us, it seems to give us a sense of order, not in the way of control, but in the way of familiarity and comfort. When I asked Jenny if she has any names that she has given to places around Benton Mountain, she said she wasn't really one for naming things. But when I asked her if there are any places that are special to her on the mountain... Oh, there are so many places on Benton Mountain that are so special to me. Well, there's Humpback Rock. Well, there's a name that I named something. Okay. I mean, I just <laughs> forgot. But there's Humpback Rock up here behind... Uh, the, the, the top of our ridge, okay. where there's just a huge big rock. And it's just like a big humpback whale coming out of the mountain there. And you can get up there and you're like at the top of things, you know. Yeah. And that's just a, a wonderful, wonderful special place yeah. to me. Um, and of course the buckwheat field, uh, Grace took you over there. Which only, I think, did she tell you? I think it only ever did the farmer raise buckwheat in it but one time. But that's, that's, that's a place of incredible impact to me. The last time I fell off a horse was in that field. Was it a long time ago? Or? It was a long time ago, yeah. And that field um, that's there used to be an old apple orchard that goes to the buckwheat field. And it was just oh, rows and rows of apple trees one of the peak moments in my life happened in that field. I was just cantering along on Bonnie, <clears throat> this bay mare that I was riding, and we were just galloping up and down the rows of the apple trees. And it was during the time that my uh, monarchs were migrating. And sometimes there are years when the flyway comes over the mountain, in which case you would just see incredible numbers, thousands of monarchs. The air is thick with monarchs. And this particular day, during the monarch migration, Bonnie and I were galloping up and down the field, and as we rounded the last one of the trees, monarchs had been roosting in that apple tree, and they all flew up around us. That was like magic. Here we were just cantering along with the flock. We were just one of them for just a little bit. And Bonnie didn't 
seem perturbed at all. And I was loving it, but all these monarchs were just flying around us. And I just, that was one of the peak moments of my life, I think, being part of the flock. So if you go down that road, yeah, you turn to the left. The, the studio is there, sort of just around the curve a little bit. And if you go to the right, that's the orchard I just told you about that is now all hayfield, which if MVP has anything to do, it will be a parking lot. And then if you go down, there's a little um, bridge that you go across and a little um, bit of woods. And then you end up in the, the buckwheat field with Big Hill. And when you walk on top of that hill, you can see all around the mountain. You can see poor mountains, you can see the ridges, you can see everything around you. But what you can't see are, are houses or anything like that. It's just the beauty of the mountain. And to think that they would come in there and make a parking lot out of that it just eats me, eats me up. I was offended that the, the pipeline, I, I try not to say it, but I was offended that it was called Mountain Valley Pipeline. I felt like you're ruining our mountains and our valleys, you know. How dare you call it such a beautiful name? You know, that, that deeply offends me. And, and the same thing for the Atlantic Coast Pipeline. I call that the Dominion Pipeline. I just don't think they should take ownership of that name. Yeah. That's another thing that we say, my family, we, we say the mountain, and we know we're talking about that one and not some other one. <laughs> one thing that Grace finds comfort in now is the feeling that her great-aunt Grace and her father are both still fighting this fight with her, even though they've both been gone for many years. While she was living, great-aunt Grace Terry wrote a short history of Bent Mountain that was published through the local Roanoke Historical Society. And because historic districts are supposed to be protected from things like high-pressure pipelines, they're hoping to use this as a way to fight the MVP. When I mention Aunt Grace to Jenny, she immediately knows who I'm talking about, even though she never knew her in real life. But she is a legend around here. I mean, she was quite a well-known personality and quite a force of nature, I think. Quite an independent, strong-minded woman. I only know what I've been told. I've only heard stories that have been handed down. Probably Grace has too, but um, yeah, she sounded like she was a very very strong-minded, independent woman ahead of her time. Honestly, there have been so many times during the last three years when I feel like she's here helping us with this fight. I'm not kidding, and, and also my dad. I know that Aunt Grace Terry felt very strongly about this mountain. And I, I'll tell you a story. Okay. This was when Aunt Grace died and was buried. She was buried in the Terry Cemetery. And I just happened to be horseback riding through one day, stopped to visit the people that lived there. And uh, someone, I don't remember who it was, was digging Aunt Grace's grave. And I stopped and 
chatted with him. And I said, How, how's it coming along or something like that? And he said, well, it's nothing but rock. He said, we're going to have to plant her on a slant by the looks of it, you know, just kind of laughing. And I said, oh, is that a good idea? Do you think she's going to really stay there? And he said, well, I don't know. Knowing her, she's liable to just come right out, you know. I mean, that's what kind of a strong person I think she was in, in a sense. And um, anyway... <clears throat> to go back to, to where I was leading with this, uh, I feel like she had a really strong connection with this land, with this place. And I would not be surprised if there wasn't still some sort of connection to her mountain. I think that Grace and I have talked that Sometimes there's a, a feeling that she's still, you know, aware of what's going on. And I'd like to, if she is, I'd like to see her take a stronger role. One thing about Quakers is we don't have any creed um, that tells us that you have to. But um, we all believe that there is an indwelling spirit in all of us, that God is an indwelling spirit. So George Fox, the founder of Quakers, instructed us, go cheerfully throughout the earth, seeking that of God in everyone. You know, looking for the spirit in people. And so my personal belief is that when we die, then we are spiritual beings and we are closer to everyone than we ever were in life. There's no distinction anymore. There's no body separating us. Does that make sense? But I think that, yeah, if we believe that God is a spirit and that God dwells in us, then when we leave our bodies, then we're back part of things again. So, you know, there you are. More to come in the next episode of End of the Line. End of the Line is produced by Whitney Whiting with support from listeners and friends across Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. Special thanks for this episode goes to Mary Beth and Bruce Coffey, Grace Terry, Mara Robbins, and Jenny and Genesis Chapman. Music by Ristroy. Find the full EP at milkfactoryproductions.bandcamp.com. Additional music by Lobo Marino. Find them on lobomarinomusic.com. And as always, catch all episodes of End of the Line at soundcloud.com slash pipelinepodcast. <laughs>